Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, it is so good to see all of you. I have no idea what to say after that. I'm just blown away by worship today, and, uh, and uh, God is good. We serve a wonderful Savior, and we want to be a church that glorifies Him in every possible way. We're going to look in His Word today and, and hopefully just learn about that. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. I'm actually going to just read two verses here in just um, a little bit. And uh, with the topic that I'm, I'm working with today, it made me think um, about the, the sports world where in the sports world, you see a lot of stories about athletes who, you know, they're, they're touted to be, oh, the next best thing. Oh, this is the next greatest thing. But then, you know, when put on the stage, so to speak, uh, they, they don't live up to their uh, potential. They never actually, you know, I guess, fulfill the hype, if you want to put it that way, uh, what they're, they're touted to be. You know, I, I think of, um, you know, not hating on anyone, but, you know, I think of someone like Michelle Wee, who was a professional golfer before she was even 16 years old, and she got into all these LPGA events. She even made it into PGA events. Um, you know, and so such a young girl, uh, you know, supposed to be the next best thing. Uh, so the media really hyped her up because it made a great story. But then, you know, over her career, she only won five tournaments out of the many years that that she played and so never really reached the potential uh, of being the next superstar that uh, they thought she could be. Or then I think of professional football or, um, you know, back in the late 90s, Ryan Leaf was, uh, you know, touted as the next great quarterback. He had an amazing college career. Uh, he was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. He was a Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, a first team. Uh, All-American, and so in the year that he went into the draft, he went into the draft the same year as, as Peyton Manning, and they were touted as, you know, the two best uh, quarterbacks um, that there were, and uh, both of them would do, were going to do great things. Well, you know, Leaf was uh, picked up by the San Diego Chargers, then San Diego uh, Chargers, and um, you know, he, he, he uh, spent a few seasons with the Chargers, and games with uh, Dallas, but just because of poor behavior, bad playing, injuries, and things like that, he, he never lived up to the potential. That was there. I mean, he had the talent, but he just never lived up uh, to, the, to the potential. With these stellar athletes, they had promise, but it just never translated to when they needed to show it the most. And the reason that I bring this up is because there's so many churches like that in America today. There's a lot of churches in America that are like these athletes. They, we have all the promises of Christ, but they're not living up to their potential. You know, the, the church is endowed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there are too many churches that are either closing their doors due to dwindling attendance or else they're compromising in some way in order to try and keep the doors open 
So on the one hand, you know, those that are closing their doors, in, in 2019, before the pandemic, Lifeway Research did a study of churches, and, and they found that while there were 3,000 church plants in the United States, there were f- at least 4,500 churches that closed their doors. And now we don't really have any solid statistics yet about you know, how the, what the pandemic has done, uh, but the pandemic magnified the decline that was already happening. And so there's churches that are dying and disappearing in America. But unfortunately, a lot, many of the churches, definitely not all the churches, I mean, we're still here, but you know, many of the churches that survived or grew, they did so by way of compromise. Compromise with cultural trends, compromise with cultural pressures. We, we hear of too many uh, stories uh, of churches that are watering down truth or they're, they're they're using gimmicks to bring the people in, you know? We want to bring the people in. Let's see what kind of gimmicks we can use. Let's see what we need to water down to make sure we get the biggest crowd as possible. So I'll give you some examples. If you want to turn to the next slide, um, there was a former famous Southern Baptist women's speaker who left the Southern Baptists a few years ago and, and joined an Anglican church. Recently, that church hosted an interfaith dialogue where they allowed a Muslim imam to come behind the pulpit during a service and chant from the Quran and pray from behind the pulpit. I mean, okay, so let that sink in. A church is allowing a teacher from a false religion to teach from their unholy book in the context of a church service rather than teaching from the Bible. That's the Church of America today. Or if you wanna go to the next slide. Another example, pastors turned their churches into movie houses and exegeted the truths found in famous movies rather than giving expository messages from God's holy word. And so the the picture that I have put up there shows some churches that offered their people many, many truths from the movie Barbie. And we know, I'm sure, Barbie has a whole lot to say about spiritual things, right? And so, you know, they, they, they preached about the movie Barbie and it included the required Barbie photo booth because everyone knows you need to have a Barbie photo booth. Still other churches uncovered spiritual out of Bowser singing Peaches and Super Mario or they talked about Optimus Prime transforming into a new creation. You know, Optimus Prime is from the Transformers. In a world that is so steeped in spiritual darkness and seeming to to be plummeting into the depths of hell, is that what the world needs right now? Is that the kind of church that the world needs? No, it needs a church to fulfill its mission in discipling the nations, not not churches that find ways to pacify people's guilty conscience with entertainment or what I call mental narcotics. If the church 
does not step into the role that Christ saved it for, then the church is going to face the same discipline that the churches in the book of Revelation, you know, he, Jesus wrote to seven churches and five out of the seven churches were warned to repent. They were found faithless. And Jesus said, if you don't repent, your lampstand is gonna get snuffed out. If you are not fulfilling your mission, if you are not doing the ministry to which I have called you, I will snuff your lampstand out. And so a church needs to fulfill mission. It does not need to fill its belly. It does not need to fill its ego. It does not need to fill its pride. It does not need to fill its flesh. So who are we going to be? Now, Harvest Baptist Church, we are not what we could be. We're not everything that we can be. But I pray that we are who we need to be. I pray that we be who Christ wants us to be and what the world right now needs us to be. And that's just getting back to the basics. Discipling people to become spiritually mature who then in turn serve Christ from an abundant heart. It's that simple. A church is healthy when it provides an atmosphere that encourages spiritual maturity through the knowledge and application of Scripture. That's a spiritually healthy church. An active church. The days of pew-sitting are long gone. The days of excuse-making are long gone. We have not been called to sit inside our holy huddle. We have not been called to shelter ourselves from what's out there. Instead, we are called to the battle that has raged ever since the fall of mankind. As Christ calls us to take spiritual ground from the enemy as we lead people to faith in Jesus Christ, but not just leave them there, we then disciple them to grow so that they too become disciple makers. But that will only happen if we ourselves are growing and living for Christ. And so today, Harvest Baptist Church, we get on mission. And when a church fulfills its mission, the people grow and they live for Christ and they do it together as a church family. And this is what we are about from now on. If anyone ever asks you, what in the world is Harvest Baptist Church about? You don't tell them about programs. You don't tell them about entertainment. You don't tell them about gimmicks. You tell them that we are about growing and living for Christ, but we're doing it together. That's what we're about, growing and living for Christ together. Now in the two verses that I'm looking at today, Paul describes what his ministry is all about. And in doing so, he gives the church its ministry, which will translate into its mission. And if we're united behind the mission, we are going to see God use us to grow us, not just a number. I know that's what everyone worried about, church growth. We want to grow a number, but a healthy church will grow a number only when it is growing here in the heart of who we are. We want to see God use us to expand his rule and his reign on earth.
We want to see God use us to expand his kingdom. Well, what does Paul have to say about that? I'm just going to read verses 27 and 28 from Colossians 1, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these two verses. He said, God wanted to make known to them the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, if we do anything, I pray that we are joining you on the mission you have for this earth. Our time on earth is short. May we not spend it on ourselves and fulfilling our own needs. May we spend it to the glory of Christ. And we ask this in his holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So from these verses, and especially in verse 28, we see what the church's ministry is all about. And then the church, the ministry feeds into what our mission is. And so what does Paul tell us? First, we find that Paul gives us what is the focus of our ministry. The focus of our ministry in a nation that centers on fulfilling and, you know, and catering to every whim that someone might have. When, when people's felt needs are the driving force behind everything that happens and every decision that is made, sadly, that mindset has come into the church. We want to, we, 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 we want to cater to people's whim. We want to touch them where their felt needs are and, and, and things like that. They're watering down to the point where the church is not recognizable to what Christ intended for the church to be. And so like spectators in a movie theater, people come into to church thinking that, well, I'm going to get my moment of warm, fuzzy feelings for the week before I can move on to the next thing in my life that they think is going to fill their empty souls, but it doesn't. And churches now are expected to be places of providing mind-numbing activity to fill in the time, another, another means of escapism from their turbulent lives. But Paul says, no, that's not what the ministry of the church is about. The church's ministry, he says in verse 27, he says that God wanted to make known the wonderful mystery of Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he makes his bold statement in verse 28. We proclaim him. We proclaim Christ. It is that, that simple. You want peace and hope in the midst of your trials? You don't need a coping mechanism. You need Christ, who is your peace, who is your sustainer, who is your healer. Do you want to find meaning and value in your life? You need Christ, who is the one that gives you your value. You want to know that you matter in this world? You need Christ. You mattered so much to him that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And so we proclaim him. A church's ministry is now not about providing a bunch of programs to fill in an already busy schedule. A church's ministry is not to give you sound bites for, of pop psychology or, you know, give a positive pep talk or something like that. Oh, just warm my heart with a positive pep talk, preacher. A church's ministry focuses on the only thing we have to give. We proclaim Christ. Christ is our Savior, Christ is our Lord, Christ is our peace, Christ is our hope, Christ is the very foundation of everything that we do. 
It's all about Christ. And if Christ is not the focus, guess what? It is not Christian. It's kind of built into the name. Christian. Christ. If you think that you can learn something from an imam, like I have shown, well then go to a mosque and become a Muslim. If you think that Barbie has something to say about your life, then start a movie podcast. Flirt with the ways of the world. But if a church wants to be a church, then it proclaims Christ, who is the founder, sustainer, and bridegroom. A, you know, a church that focuses on anything other than Christ is not a church. It might be a country club. It might be a book club. It might be a spa. I don't know what in the world it is, but it's not a church. And so Harvest Baptist Church, if we're going to be on mission and if we're going to fulfill the ministry that God has for us, we must be a church that focuses on Christ. Every part of it, there's nothing and no one else that can help us. There is no other way for us to grow than through Christ. And so we're not going to turn our back on him. The focus of our ministry is that we proclaim Christ. We proclaim Christ. But not only in, in these verses does Paul give us the focus of our ministry, next he gives us the method of our ministry. He gives us the method of our ministry. In verse 28, he says, we proclaim Christ by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom. And the wording that he uses kind of looks at things from both a negative and a positive way. And what I mean by that, you know, a negative way, is that he is saying that a church instructs in such a way that it corrects people's bad behavior or bad beliefs or wrong beliefs, wrong behavior. I might want to say it that way. It is a corrective influence. When you are straying, well, the church proclaims him by instructing and teaching so that it brings you back. And so it's like, you know, what, what parents do to children. They're, they're going off on this wrong path. They're kind of turning here. Well, we correct them. We bring them back, and that's the work of the church. But, you know, so it also means, I mean, correcting bad teaching that you're, you're going to run into out there because there's a whole slew of false teachers out there. But then, you know, so that's the negative aspect. Obviously, there's the positive aspect as well. We point people to Christ. We teach them about Christ, what he did, who he is, when, you know, the fact he's coming back, the need for Christ um, in our lives. So the ministry of the church is focused on Christ, and, and we do so by instructing and teaching. We're fulfilling the great commission, right? The great commission is go make disciples. Well, we go make disciples by focusing on Christ and instructing and teaching. We demonstrate to people who Christ is, what he accomplished, what he taught, and bring that into your lives. But what is the source of our instruction and training and teaching? You know, if we're going to be corrected, what corrects us? If we're going to be taught what teaches us. You know, when, when, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, I want you to disciple all the nations. How? By teaching them to obey everything that I commanded. Well, where do you find what Jesus commanded? The only source is the inerrant, infallible word of God. If a church is going to fulfill its mission, it focuses on Christ, it teaches people through the revelation of Jesus Christ as given in Scripture, this is who Christ is, this is what he has accomplished, he is your life, and you live for him. So that means a church does not look at the latest news sources, 
A church does not look at the latest blogs. A church does not listen to the latest podcasts. A church does not look to social media to see what's the latest trends out there. A church exposes people to God's word because it's the only inspired source of truth that we have. And if people are going to be directed to the truth, we teach them, this is our method, we teach them from the word of God, we disciple them from the word of God. So someone likened it to a, uh, a lighthouse that was along a rocky coastline. The beacon of the lighthouse shines brightly in the darkness to warn ships of the danger of the rocks, but it also guides them along a safe path to shore. And likewise, the ministry of the church involves warning others of spiritual dangers, but then teaching them from the wisdom of God's word to be on the path of Christ-likeness. And so Christ is the focus, the method is we are instructing, we are teaching, we through the word of God to bring people to Christ. But not only does Paul talk about the focus of our ministry and the method of our ministry, third, he talks about the goal of our ministry. What are we trying to do? Paul says, we proclaim Christ by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. Our goal is for people to grow up in Christ. Not to just go through church emotions well, I'm just gonna do the church thing and it has no meaning whatsoever. Our goal is for people to grow up in Christ. To grow up. And, and, and so just like you know, healthy individuals, they will grow physically, they will grow mentally and, and you know, they'll mature over time. I mean, so it's expected that Christians are gonna grow and mature spiritually over time, now it's not an immediate thing. It's not an immediate outcome. I mean, you, you, you know, you don't look at a baby and after a few months wonder why they're not acting like a 30-year-old. Well, it, because they have to mature over time. They grow over time. We can't look at a baby Christian and wonder, well, why don't you have all this theology stuff figured out and living it out and things like that. Well, it, you know, it, it, it takes time. It's progressive growth, but there is growth. Christians will grow. Christians will not stay in the same place if they're devoted to Christ. Now, if you're not more mature spiritually now than you were, say, 10 years ago, that means either you, you, you haven't really come to know Christ, or maybe you have not invested in your growth, you haven't, been, you haven't been instructed, you haven't been taught, you haven't put yourself in a place that is conducive to growth. But here's the thing, we as a church, we need to be a place and have an atmosphere that is conducive to people's growth. We can't just do the go through the motions thing. So how do we know if someone's maturing? Well, we know that someone's maturing when they take on a Christian worldview. That means that the way that you look at life and the way that you, you deal with the, the issues of this world, they are informed by Scripture. Not the world, not pop psychology, they're informed by Scripture. And therefore, the actions you take and the decisions you make are informed by Scripture. 
What drives our choices is not our own desires, our own dreams, and things like that. I mean, it's Scripture that guides our path. It's Scripture that tells us what to think about the hot, the hot button issues, you know, of the day. Well, you know, culture seems to think that this and this is okay. Well, what does Scripture say? It doesn't matter what culture says. What does Scripture say? Well, you know, my favorite celebrity says this, that, and the other thing. About, who cares about what your favorite celebrity says? What does Scripture say? We cling to what God tells us in, in, in the Bible. And if there's a conflict between, say, culture and the world and your favorite celebrities and all the latest blogs and all the things on social media versus what the Bible says, guess what? The Bible's right. Everyone else is wrong. And that's a Christian worldview. The Bible is right, and we choose to follow the Bible. But um, another thing I want to say real quick about maturity, you know, maturity being our goal, we want our minds informed so we can make decisions that are honoring to God and follow Scripture. But it's not just about knowing things. Let me fill my head with lots of stuff. Because there's people who know the Bible. There's people who can give the right answers to the questions, so to speak. All the churchy answers, all the answers that are expected, especially in a you know, cultural Christianity. I mean, here we are in the South, cultural Christianity. I can give the right answers. But that doesn't mean that Christ or the Bible has gotten into you in any way, shape, or form. So you are not mature when you merely know what is right, but it's when you also live it out. I know what's right, and then I live it. I live it out. Maturity will show itself in lifestyle. The Bible informs our mind about having a Christian worldview, but then the Bible also informs our lifestyle so that I live like Christ to the glory of Christ. Yes, we constantly want to gain understanding of God, of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, of his word, of the gospel, of holiness. But then I want to convert that knowledge and understanding into a lifestyle. I actually live like it. It's my daily walk. I'm living for Christ in my home, in my job, at school, in my entertainment, with my buddies, with this, that, the other thing. I am living for Christ constantly. It is my lifestyle. It's not just, well, I live for Christ over here, but then I have this other thing over here. You know, I have all these compartments in my life, and over here is Christ is one of those compartments. No, Christ is everything. That's maturity. Paul says that this is the ministry of the church. And so if this is the ministry of the church, guess what, Harvest Baptist Church? It's our ministry. Our ministry is we proclaim Christ by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. So that's the common ministry of all churches, but from that common ministry comes the mission of the local church. Because with everything that's going on in the world and with what the world needs from us, we cannot just be another church just kind of plugging along doing their churchy thing and not living up to our potential. 
Our potential is found in proclaiming Christ, instructing and teaching so that we can present everyone that we have influence over, we can present them as mature believers in Jesus Christ. And if that is not our ministry, what are we doing here? Y'all have better things to do on your Sunday morning. If we are not fulfilling the ministry to which God calls us, what are we doing here? That's what we, we need. This is, this is it. Uh, and so this translates into our mission. And, and so from our mission comes the mandate that we have. We want people to mature. We want them to grow. And that means that we not only give facts, which we will. I mean, we proclaim, we proclaim God's word so people have an understanding. But then you take that and you put it into practice. You make it a lifestyle. And so again, when you or anyone else thinks about Harvest Baptist Church, we want them to say about us that we are growing and living for Christ together. That's who we are. We are maturing in Christ. We are building relationship with one another so we can encourage one another to live for Christ in this journey of faith. And so as we go this route of mission, there are certain values that, that that, we, that kind of informs everything that we do. There are certain values that we hold to that, I mean, it's behind what we do. And so if we go to the next slide, here are, here are our values because we know that the gospel alone gives eternal life. That is our central message. Jesus Christ, he is God the Son who came, who lived, who died for us on the cross, but he rose again and he is our everything. He is the only savior that there is in the world. He is the only one that can give life. There is no eternal life outside of Jesus Christ. That is the message, the gospel that we give. But then scripture, another value is that scripture defines our lifestyle. The scripture is what speaks into what we do, what we say, what we think, the attitudes that we have. That scripture defines how we live. But then the worship of God provides us with a life focus. It's not just, I come on Sunday morning and I worship and boom, I'm done. No, we are so, we are so enamored with that Christ like we sang today in worship and the special music that I, I, I'm gonna praise Jesus whenever I have a chance. I want to see Jesus, I want to praise Jesus. Now, the Great Commission declares our life purpose. This is what we are called to. Being disciple makers is not just, well, that's the job of the people that we pay in the church. Well, that, that's not in scripture though. We are all disciple makers in some way, shape, or form. All Christians are disciple makers. The church promotes life together because we can't be lone rangers. We have to do this together and encourage one another in our walk with Christ and help one another to grow, help one another to mature. And then the spiritual gifts equip us for life service, meaning we've all been, if you're in Christ, you have been equipped with a spiritual gift. You use that gift in some way, shape, or form to the glory of God and for the good of the, and growth of his kingdom. And so those are our values. And you notice our values are all about what Paul told us in verse 27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is the life of Christ being lived through us because Christianity is not some sort of passive activity which in, in its, of itself is kind of an oxymoron. You can't be passive and active at the, at the same time. It's a lifestyle. 
It is a lifestyle that is to be lived. It is active. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but we are changed so that our lives bear fruit through good works. You know, we, we, we love to, to talk about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. That is salvation. But go on to verse 10. So that we can, you know, we are his masterpiece is really what it says. So that we can do the good works that he had assigned beforehand. So it, it goes together. But, okay, so, so here is our mission of growing and living for Christ together. What, what's kind of a roadmap for, for us as a church to help us do that? We might divide it into three different steps, at least I do, uh, just to hel- help me understand what we're doing as a church. And the first step is that we discover, where we want people to discover Christ and we want them to discover the church. And some of these aspects entail what I call pastoral worship, where the worship service is used to pastor people's souls, to shepherd the sheep. We evangelize the lost so that they know Christ. We build into the sheep of God, God's people, so that they are encouraged and they learn and they grow and mature. And it's not just through the preaching. I call it pastoral worship because it entails all of the worship service. I mean, today in worship and in special music and even starting with a baptism, my soul was pastored. My soul was lifted up, and that's what we, we want to do. Harvest Vision is a one-day class to give visitors and seekers a quick intro to Christ and to Harvest Baptist Church. What is Harvest Baptist Church about? Well, here it is. Harvest Discovery is a three-week class to dive deeper into Harvest Baptist Church with, with the intent of letting all you know, church, people who are already members to know what we're about and bring them on board but also then to uh, let those who are not yet members to know what Harvest Baptist Church is about with the intent of bringing them into membership if God leads them so that they can serve Christ through our church. And then Harvest Connect is a ministry team that is gonna help guide visitors and new members into what we have for them to get them connected to the church and get them connected to the people of the church. I'm trying to go through all this very quickly because I know we're, we're, we're running late, but you know what? God, I think, is going to bless our church if we get on mission. And, and, and so we first begin with discover. The next, we deepen, where we as a church give people the opportunity to grow and mature, to learn the truth, and then to live the truth. We do that through our life groups, which is our version of Sunday school, where we grow in Christ in a relationship with one another. We do that through D groups. You'll hear us constantly talking about D groups. They're, they're growing, it's gonna take a little time, but D groups are discipleship groups of three to four people with the intent that you know, people will grow in their walk with Christ and then eventually they will start their own D groups and then the multiplication goes from there. We've started small, we have a small amount of people who have gone through D groups, but it's gonna grow so that everyone who desires to grow and be part of a D group will be able to, will be able to. it just takes a few years to, you know, get that to grow. Um, what I call expository and theological preaching, preaching and worship, where God's word and uh, its implications are made to impact our lives. Challenge people not to be stagnant, to grow, to get involved, and, and to live out scripture. Uh, children and youth discipleship. I just want to say that the staff is, is 
united in our desire for spiritual growth and maturity. I mean, we are all on board with this. And I wanna say, especially with children and youth, our staff are committed to not only the maturity of adults, we are committed to the maturity of children and youth. I mean, yeah, you know, children and youth, they'll do fun, they're fun things, but that's not central. You know, we're not entertaining just to draw. We as a staff, we feel an obligation to confront children and youth with the truth of God's word. And as we've seen from Paul today, we have an obligation to instruct and teach them about Christ. You know, we, we might not have all the fancy programs and doodads and whatnots that other churches have, but I guarantee you, we are going to give your children and your youth God's word. But it's with the understanding that we're supplementing the ministry that you are giving to your kids because we are not a substitute for discipleship at home. We are the reinforcements. We come behind you and say, all right, your parents have been telling you about this. We're gonna tell you, tell you more about this. And here it is. Fellowships, real quick. We believe that the stronger the relationships are within the church, the more we're gonna be able to fulfill the mission that God has for us. And so we wanna build unity and cohesiveness in the church body. But that means we gotta get out of our shells. That means we gotta get out of our pews. We actually gotta meet people. You know, every Sunday morning, we got that, that, little, that little countdown going down. And you know, every Sunday, it says the same thing on top. Take time to visit with one another. You got five minutes to go meet someone new. Yes, that, that means that you have to get out of your pew, which is a very unbaptist thing to do, I know. Because I know, look, I got, I'm a Baptist, I got my pew that I sit at all the time, and once I get there, I'm not leaving. Well, yes, leave. Go meet someone you don't know. And you know, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, I'm just not you know, getting to know people, I'm not meeting people. Hi, I'm Al, nice to meet you. Are you a member or are you new here? There, do it, get it. Don't start throwing stuff at me. I know that's very unbaptist, but do it. We need to get to know one another. All right, next is demonstrate because you know, not, we, we wanna give you opportunities to live out your faith through in-church ministries, the ministries that we do to one another in the church, through community ministries, be it House of the Harvest, Always Endure, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and others. Outreach, where you know, we have events or do, or do things to, to maybe draw, we might say that that is to draw people in, into the church, but then there's evangelism where we go out and we share the truths of the gospel through personal evangelism training, gospel track ministry, things like that. So how in the world is, is this all gonna happen? You can't do it all at once. We can't all of a sudden, boom, become, you know, here, here's our mission, boom. You know, next week it's all starting, but how are we gonna roll this out? We'll go to the next slide. In the next, you know, I say six months to a year, really in the next one month to a year, there's gonna be the formation of ministry teams, ministry teams that assist staff in fulfilling mission. You know, we already have things like the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the shut-in ministry, but we're gonna add on to that bereavement ministry, c 
care ministry. I talked about the, you know, the, the Harvest Connect ministry and things like that. Now, ministry teams assist the staff in doing ministry. And you know, that, that, that's different from committees. Committees do the you know, business of the church, finances, personnel, and stuff like that. But teams assist us in doing what we need to do. And so that's uh, the ministry teams, and guess what? Over the next many months, all of you are gonna be bugged to be a part of a team. Maybe not by me. So you know, it would just be a whole lot easier that once I get the information out about different ministry teams, instead of having me having to like tackle you or something, sign up now, just, just sign up and volunteer. That'd make life so much easier for every, everybody. The Harvest Vision class that I talked about, the Harvest Discovery class that I talked about, internal audit of church processes. We are gonna look at what we do as a church and see what we need to do better and, and do it. Stop making, we're not gonna make excuses anymore. You know, well, you know, we, we could, we, this needs to be better, but you know, money, we're just gonna do it so we're better. Gospel track ministry, where we're gonna have gospel tracks available for you to grab when you go out to dinner or lunch or whatever, you know, you, you leave a gospel track. And so, but then also we're gonna have organized gospel track ministries where maybe, you know, there's an event going on in, in you know, the Madison County area, whatever. And we just go out and we start handing gospel tracts to people. Hey, here's, just wanna give you this information about Jesus and wanna invite you to our church. Doesn't, you know. And then Saturate USA, which is what we had been doing with uh, going, uh, hanging information on people's uh, doors. And, but we're gonna do this in a little bit different way. We're gonna have the packages available, but then I'm going to give them to y'all and just on whenever you're available, you just go to whatever neighborhood is in there and just do, 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 do it done in a matter of a few minutes to get the gospel out there and information about our church. And next, one to three years, give or take, we're, we're gonna have the state mission board come in and audit what we do and tell us what we can do better. There's gonna be personal evangelism training where y'all will be uh, trained on how to share your faith and, and not be freaked out by it. Oh, that'd be a good title. How to share your faith and not be freaked out by it. I might, we might be on to something there, man. Brian, we gotta start that, Chad. Um, and then wanna reinstitute Reach the Harvest. Reach the Harvest was when on Sunday afternoons before choir, we, we went to neighborhood and we just knocked on the door and talked to people, which again, how to share your faith and not be freaked out about it. So we'll, we'll do that. Next, three to five years. We'll have ministry internships so that we can help train the next generation of leaders in the church. Uh, the, the church, part of the reason the church is dying is we don't have the new generation coming up to take over the churches. Us preachers are getting old and there aren't young preachers to take our place. And not just the preachers, but I mean every aspect of the church. And so we wanna train the next generation of leaders. We wanna have an outside agency, Christian agency to help us reevaluate the vision to see if we're on track and see if there's anything that we need to change. And then in five to 10 years, what I call discipleship beyond, meaning we take our discipleship beyond the four walls out into the world and we connect with other churches and help other churches in discipleship. That means that we partner with others to plant discipleship focused churches. 
Uh, um, we want to start a theological institute that trains members and lay leaders of churches to be discipleship-focused, to be worldview-building ministries, and that also includes that we are going to partner with some apologetic ministries to bring that to the people, to prepare people how to deal with the culture and how to deal with what's out there. And then we want to build or join a network of like-minded, discipleship-focused, worldview-building uh, churches so that together, as a network of churches, we can fulfill the ministry. We, you know, we, we as churches, we, we can't afford to be territorial. Oh, this is our stuff, and this is our area, and this, no. This is a gospel kingdom issue, and all churches are in it together, all brothers and sisters in Christ, and so together we want to fulfill mission. And, and because, let's face it, with the world the way it is, the world, we, the church can't afford to be status quo anymore. Let's just go with the status quo. Let's just, no. The church can't afford to, let's just do church as normal. Normal isn't working anymore, you know what I mean? The, the normal that we've had for the past hundred years. It is a new world. And it's a world that needs to be confronted with the truths of Jesus Christ. And so all of us need to band together and, and, and do it. You know, there's a, a saying, you know, I may have made this saying up myself. I don't know. I don't remember where I heard it. I do tend to make things up. But, you know, the saying is, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. Right? The church can't keep doing what they're doing if they're not fulfilling the Great Commission and they're not fulfilling mission. We can't be on autopilot anymore. And hey, I'm the, I, I'm the guy. It'd be easy just, it would be easy and it would be comfortable just to slide. Just look, don't rock the boat, just let's just, but that's not what we're called to. That is not what we are called to. We can't be on autopilot anymore. We must proclaim Christ by instructing and teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. And so Christian, will you pray for our church and for yourself to be growing and living in Christ? Pray that we can be on mission. Invite someone to church, y'all. There's this, there was this thing in the bulletin, this handout in the bulletin. Go share it with someone. Say, hey, come to our church. We need as many hands on deck if we're gonna fulfill our, our mission. If you haven't joined the church yet, please consider helping us and joining us so that we can provide an atmosphere that encourages spiritual maturity through the knowledge and application of scripture. But there might be some here today, you are uncomfortable with this because you are religious, you are spiritual, you're a churchgoer, but you don't know Christ who drives our passion who drives what we do. Today is the day to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We are lost. We are under God's judgment because we have broken his law, but God so loved the world that he gave his son who died on the cross to take the penalty for our sins so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you have never trusted in Christ, today is the day to trust him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.